America Meditating Radio Show. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts 24/7. Hi, I'm Sister Jenna. Join me and guests on Blog Talk Radio as we amplify stories that compel us to be more for ourselves and everyone else around us. The Azar Foundation for Children of the World is an organization aimed to support women and children in need across the globe. We believe in empowering lives, strengthening minds, and providing programs that enrich health and education. The Azar Foundation was founded in 2003 and has been serving the world ever since. Visit us at our website at www.azarforchildren.org. That's www.azar4children.org to find out more information about our endeavors and join our mailing list. Remember, the smile and the cry of a child doesn't have any language. The Azar Foundation. Do you like to meditate? Have you tried to meditate? Have you struggled with meditation? Why don't you visit one of the Brahma Kumaris Meditation Center? Visit brahmakumaris.org. Blaylock Dialysis Center is a convenient state-of-the-art dialysis center in the Houston area, run by Dr. Panakin Patel. Relax in a comfortable environment while receiving quality care. Serving adults 18 to geriatrics, we are here to help you. Call 713-463-6611 for more information or visit us at our website at www.blaylockdialysiscenter.com. Blaylock Dialysis Center, where helping you get well is our priority. Hi, my name is Missy Crutchfield with Gandhi's Bee Magazine, an online magazine designed to raise awareness and inspire people about all of the amazing things happening in the world, as well as all the challenging things that can help us raise awareness so we can make a difference in the world and be the change. One of my inspirations is Sister Jenna and America Meditating Radio. I listen, you should too. Welcome, everyone, and thank you, Missy. I always appreciate your shout-outs. You are listening to America Meditating Radio, and I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and I love... I love the times that we are in. I just love them. Talk about an incredible amount of opportunity for us to raise our level or our vibration of thinking and being, whereby it just seems like a very interesting mix. I had a great chit-chat with Carl Cullman. You've got to look him up. Carl has been researching a lot of mystical information on the Mayan calendar, but also how it relates to the current times. And Carl was saying that we are actually moving towards an age called the Golden Age, which is something I know in my Raj Yoga teachings and in the Brahma Kumaris, we definitely talk a lot about that. But the fact that we are seeing a crumbling of old systems that sustains or is sustaining an old paradigm. You have found that when you give up an old car, you get a new one. When you give up an old relationship, you get a new one. When you give up an old pair of shoe, you get a new one. And so we're looking at the current state of consciousness in our world where we are giving up something old. We might be giving up limitation, inadequacy, insecurity, inferiority, the sense of feeling shame and um, feeling blamed for things that we're not doing with our lives. And all of that energy um, is the kind of energy that really makes us feel like we don't have it all. We don't have a full-fledged life. 
And, you know, if I would even ask all of you listening in, what is your definition of fully lived life? I mean, to say that you have it all or that you've got it all, what does it mean to you? How do you show up for that? What are the criteria? How is everything in place for you if you were to find having it completely? Stay tuned. We're going to have the art of having it all transformational leader, Christy Whitman, who's going to be having a heart-to-heart conversation with us today and to just learn more about succeeding. You know, in my 20s, I thought I had to make my first million that I was going to be a success. And um, with my three luxurious cars in my garage, from the Mercedes to the Jaguar to the BMW, to a condo overlooking the Atlantic, to being not so bad looking (laughs) in those days and owning two nightclubs at that time. You know, making my first million by the time I was 23 was big. It was big for me back in the days. I mean, you know, that's decades ago, which is huge in those days. But I remembered how that just spirit of being driven to define success, which was a monetary thing, and, and it was about accumulating toys and I guess when I had my calling, you know, when that light came into my consciousness, it was like, look, I don't care how much money I have, nothing has compared, nothing compares to this experience, nothing. So now what do I do with this? How do I manage this? It was great that I had parents who were on the spiritual path and a wonderful, wonderful community of yogi friends. And one of them who are still alive today, Daddy Janky at 100 plus, who continues to be a resource for me to turn to if I'm ever in a perplexed situation, whether it's physical or just even ethereal, so to speak. But I'd like us to really revisit the whole consciousness of success and having it all. Is it really about the almighty dollar bill? We're seeing a person who's running for president who's worth billions as far as we know. We haven't seen the tax report yet. But, I mean, is that the way that we want to be as a person? And I'm not saying anything is bad with him. I'm just saying, is this our definition that when you do have a lot of abundance economically and monetarily, that this is the kind of character trait that also comes with that? Warren Buffett has a lot of money, but his personality is different. So is Mark Zuckerberg, and so are other people. I mean, it's a choice that we make. Do we have it all on the level of the spirit and the physical? Stay tuned. We're going to explore that conversation with Christy in a short while. But before I get Christy on the air, I'd like us to do what we do best, and that is to meditate because that grounds us and that puts us in the space of finding out who we are. So take a deep breath, and from my letting go, track from off the grid into the heart, I request you to just breathe deeply. Inhale. Om Shanti. The time that we choose to be aware doesn't necessarily require me to just sit and meditate. But even while I walk and move around, I can be in a meditative awareness, which is awareness of the soul, the original, eternal, imperishable being of light. For a little while, I'd like to invite you to be present, to be here, and to be now. 
Allow your mind to settle in the moment. To relax. This meditation is about awareness. It's about becoming aware of your original and eternal self. It's about connecting to your truth. Let go of your name. And observe yourself feeling nameless. Let go of your gender to discontinue thinking you're a man or a woman. Let it go and observe how you would feel walking around without a gender. Let go of the role that you play and let go of the titles that you own. Observe how you're feeling as you are gradually letting go. Let go of your religion and put it aside just for now. And let go of your nationality and even the language that you're accustomed to. Imagine you have no name, gender, role, title, religion, nationality, or even a language. Ask yourself. How do you feel at this moment? And in this feeling, who would think of you and who would you think of? Supreme Soul would think of you, and you, the liberated soul, would think of the Supreme. In this state of absolute freedom, I am truly who I am. A free Peaceful, pure, immortal, and eternal soul. Allow yourself to just be absorbed in this awareness.
this time. Welcome back. I'd like to definitely take this time to welcome Christy Whitman. Now, Christy is a transformational leader and the New York Times best-selling author of The Art of Having It All, A Woman's Guide to Unlimited Abundance. She has appeared on the Today Show and the Morning Show, and her work has been featured in People's Magazine, 17, Women's Day, Hollywood Life, and Teen Vogue. Christy is the CEO and founder of the Quantum Success Coaching Academy, a 12-month Law of Attraction coaching certification program. Now, Christy has helped thousands of people worldwide to achieve their goals through her empowerment seminars, speeches, coaching sessions, and products as well. Her life-changing message reaches over 145,000 people a month, and her work has been promoted by and featured with esteemed authors and luminaries such as Marion Williamson, our dear friend, Dr. Dwayne Wayne Dyer, Marcy Shimoff, and many more. Today, we're very happy to welcome Christy Whitman to the American Meditating Radio. Hi, Christy. Hi, Sister Jenna. That was a beautiful meditation. Thank you. <laughs> it's one of my favorite, I have to tell you. It started, I think, last year when a lot of my friends kept saying, Sister Jenna, I just want to get off the grid. I'm done. This is enough. I can't take any more. And I remember telling them, I don't care what you do, you're going to have to show up in life, so you need to amplify your heart. <laughs> and that's how that track came about. Beautiful. Yeah, it's mm. funny. I was sitting there in just that beautiful expanded space, and then you started introducing me, and I'm like, oh, there goes the rules. There goes the title. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we put it all back on. <laughs> Isn't that something what labels do to our expanded consciousness? And I swear, I think our efforts in our whole lives is to be able to have those labels but to not be attached to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And to have it all for me is Mm. really about having that connection with that divine and having a beautiful idea or a desire be birthed within us that excites us and gives us even more expansion in life. And then to be able to know that we have the power within because we are a creator to create those things in our lives that we want in our own definition of having it all for us because it's different from woman to woman. That's so beautiful. You know, I have been appreciating, I've been on my spiritual journey for almost 30 years, and I remembered back in the days when we used to talk about God and the divine or the universal source, and people would be like, stoning you. And it's just like, (laughs) we are not interested in that garbage, you know, unless you were like a Ram Dass and smoking, you know, funny looking cigarettes and having some really nice pills popped in you and seeing psychedelic lights. Like nobody was going to listen to you, right? Right. it's been so nice to actually see, even in the media, like Oprah's very open about her sharings about God and the divine, and so many individuals now are just bringing the energy of the divine in the narrative and saying, I'm not ashamed to let you know I love God, and I'm also very proud to say these are the things that have emerged perhaps from my love from God. And so I really appreciate you mentioning that in our opening conversation. So tell us a little bit about Christy Whitman. You are known by the world as a very well-known transformational leader. So what inspired you to pursue this path? I mean, how did it all begin for you? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked. About 20 years ago, I found myself really in that space of 
okay, I've got everything that I was told I was supposed to have. I've got money. I've got career success. I've got my tiny little body, you know. But nothing was fulfilling me. And I returned back to the kind of the quote-unquote spirituality that I knew was more religious than spirituality. And I tried to go back to my roots of being Catholic and going to the Catholic Church and, you know, sitting in the church and not to say anything bad or good or indifferent about the Catholic Church. For me, I would sit there and go, okay, I'm not, I'm not connecting and I'm not, I, I feel lost. And, you know, it is in those times when you really get serious and do a prayer where it's like, I want more. I want I want to feel that I matter. I want to feel that my connection is there's something bigger here than just making money or having the success. And it was during that time where I had a transition moving from Chicago to California, and I met a meditation teacher. And she started talking to me about universal laws and how our thoughts create our realities and going within. And I learned how to meditate and connect to something that was so different than the I that I actually knew. So I started practicing more and more meditation and really seeing my life change before my eyes. And about five years in of practicing this and seeing my life change and the kind of men that I dated, you know, was very different and mm-hmm. everything was just different. Things were mm-hmm. more effortless. And at the same time, my sister had committed suicide. So oh. thank God I had that spiritual approach to help me get through that. But it was about five years in practicing this, I had my first book, Perfect Pictures, literally come through me. And I saw the cover in a meditation. And that night I woke up at 105 in the morning with this voice just inside my head reading me basically the book. And so I got up and wrote everything down that I was hearing. And for seven nights at 105 in the morning, that voice woke me up was just giving me the next sentence, the next paragraph, the next chapter. And I got the book published. And once my family and friends, you know, had bought the book, which really weren't my ideal client (laughs) to be reading the book, (laughs) I went and started speaking in spiritual bookstores and, you know, like New Thought churches. And people started asking me, do you coach? And at the time, I mean, I had no idea there was this whole profession called life coaching and started selling, telling people, just, no, call me on the phone. I'll help walk you through meditations and, you know, help you through. And all these people started having these remarkable healings and these remarkable shifts in their life. And I loved it. So I went for a, you know, a life of uh, becoming a personal coach and a life coach and mm-hmm. still working in corporate America. But here I find myself 20 years later, and that's what I do for a living. I help people achieve their dreams and their goals and their ideals and manifest what they want and learn about the universal laws. And, you know, that's how it all started, my own quest for knowing and having the knowledge myself and just Mm -hmm. teaching people what I've done to change my life. Well, I know what it's like when that aha, you know, illumination happens. And we all know how that really changes the course of our lives. Is it the same now for you? Like, how does it feel now? I mean, here I am 20-something years later in my journey, and where I'm sitting inside of myself is like, wow, I got it. I've got to just keep my thinking and my thoughts in a right place. That's my responsibility to myself. And it's not that I have those same, like, amazing mystical experience that I did when it was cracking open my heart shell of identity. But now it's like this very smooth sailing, very consistent flow with a little bit of, you know, waves and storms ever so often, which is normal. But then I always find myself going back deep within and just knowing that it's my thoughts that have everything to do with the way that I'm feeling. 
So the point of my question is, is it the same for you now, even 20-something years later? Like, how are you feeling from that point? I mean, how does it all work for you? I always love to ask this question because it's, no, it's personal. Like, yeah, great question, Sister Jenna, because... You know, people think, well, now I'm a coach and I'm an author, so life's got to be just, you know, perfect. And the thing is for me, it's like I have to be mindful, like you're saying, and I, I need to practice really making sure that my thoughts are aligned with the source within me and with what I want and what my mind, you know, there's a saying that your mind is a divine expression and that my mind is in alignment with the things that I desire in my life and the feelings that I want to have. And so I have to be the only one that can choose those thoughts. I, so I have to be mindful of that. And I also practice, you know, if if I do have something that happens, you know, that is unpleasant or what I like to call contrast, so something that is unwanted happens, to be able to know that I have the opportunity to choose how I'm going to view the situation and also the emotions that I'm going to feel. So that really is where I'm at. And it feels so good to know that I don't have to go just to the thing that I grew up with and learned was immediately go to anger. So if someone wrongs mm-hmm. you, go to anger. If someone, you know, offends or you blame. in some way, anger. If someone cuts you off in traffic, mm-hmm. anger. It's just a go-to, you know, that was the go-to emotion. And like a bullet coming out of a gun, there was just even no you know, stopping it. Now, if something happens, I'm able to say, okay, I can choose to be angry about that, or I can choose to look at it a different way. And knowing Mm -hmm. that whatever I choose is going to affect me. And Mm -hmm. I'm able to stop before I choose that emotion and then know that, you know, I choose to look at this in a different way. And it really is a difference in life. I mean, you know, before I was so addicted to drama, as most people are, and would go get so sucked into the drama that when it became smooth sailing, as you were saying, it almost is like, wait a minute, it's kind of boring. Like, where's the drama? You know, because I was so addicted to that drama. But I had to retrain myself to, you know, get used to the calm and the the flow because it actually does feel better than always having to clean up the drama. So so now, after years of practicing this, I still have to practice it because I'm a human being. Right. And, right. you know, but it's, a lot easier than it used to be. It is, and it's less stressful because we have this habit because we've been under this patriarchal conditioning and this hierarchical conditioning of, you know, the sage on the stage knows all the answers and I'm inadequate, so teach me. And then mm-hmm. here it is that nobody actually acknowledged that the sh- the sage wasn't always on the stage. The sage was always was also looking for his or her own jewels to figure out who she is. And I remembered when I had my own realization, like, oh my God, I'm not perfect. Oh no, what happened? <laughs> and I just remembered how more relaxing it became as a spiritual leader that, look, do not look at me for all of your answers, but look and walk with me as we find our answers together. Yes, I do have some more tools maybe that you do, and I'm more than happy to share them with you. But honestly, we're in this together, and we come from the same source, and we're going to return to the same source. So I find that like diffusing that sort of pump-me-up mentality happened for me about maybe 15, 17 years ago where I just said, this is not what this is about. I don't need to let people think I'm really that great. And Christy, I can tell you with what my bio date is and all that I've done, don't even mention 90% of it. It's not important. I just want to know you. I just want to understand human consciousness. I want love and God's love to accumulate so much in my consciousness that I'm clean as a person. So I, I 
so get that. I want to talk about your book, The Art of Having It All. And I know you've shared a little bit about it, but you know, how did the book come about, this one in particular? The one with your sister's you know, suicide, unfortunately, emerged. But how did The Art of Having It All emerge, and, and what did you learn from it after you were finished writing it? Oh, it was such a great process. I actually was at a publicity summit promoting another book, and I walked up to a woman that was, you know, with she was a freelance writer for New York Magazine, and I went up to her and I thought, oh, I've got the greatest pitch, you know, and I said, what do all New York women want? And she said, what? And I said, they want it all. And she said something to me that just blew me away because it's so not in the realm of the people that I associate with in the realm of consciousness that I have. She said, women can't have it all. And I said, excuse me? And she said, women can't have it all. Women are overworked, you know, overwhelmed. They're trying to be everything to everyone, and they just can't have it all. Do you know anybody that has it all? And I said, yeah, I do. And I know many people that do. And I said, you know, I looked at each aspect of my life. I said, I have health in my body. I feel good about how I look. I've got a wonderful husband that loves me that I love. I've got two really healthy, wonderful kids. I've got a great business. You know, she was like, ah. and she was just like disgusted. And she handed me back my information. She goes, I won't be needing this because women can't have it all. And I looked at her and I said, and there in lies the problem. Because we wow. create from yeah, we create from our beliefs. I mean, our beliefs literally will filter everything that we manifest in our lives or think what we can or can't. And so that just got me. I mean, the spirit within me was so fiery. And I went back to my room and just started writing. And I wrote for like two weeks straight and just continued to write and write and write. And what came to me is that, you know, how do you know what my having it all looks like? Who decided that this is what having it all looks like? I mean, we are all individuals that get to decide for ourselves what excites us, what lights us up, what gives us Mm -hmm. movement in life. And, you know, for my girlfriend, Dawn, I wrote about her in my book. She's been with the same man for 25 years. They're not married. They don't have kids. And she has her career. And to her, she feels in her life that she has it all. I've got other friends that are married. They don't have children. They're very invested in their career because what they do gives them life and they're passionate about it. They're in service. To them, that's having it all. You know, so it's not about the things. We can look at each of our different situations in our life, our main pockets, if you will, like our body and the health of our body, our finances as far as our time and money freedom, our relationships, our spirituality, our career space. I mean, all those things, we can decide what personally and individually what having it all looks like. Meaning, another way of saying it, what is what we desire? You know, what do I truly want in all and every aspect of my life? Knowing that the one that breathes us wants that too, or if we wouldn't have that idea of even wanting that in our own life. We receive only from the only one that can give. It's the giver, and that's the ideas and the desires come from the giver for us individually, for our own unique expression of our individual person on this planet that gets to connect with and co-create with that God self. So who is anybody else to judge what's having it all for someone or for not for someone else? So having it all is really having for me, and bottom line, is having access to that God self within, knowing that the one that breathes us, that gave us life, the only one that can give us anything anyway, is moving through us, and we are a co-creative partner with that part of us, and we can have what we want in our lives and have mm-hmm. that fulfillment, have that joy. And to me, that's what having it all is. 
Mm, I love that. You know, a friend of ours, Ingrid Vandervelt, started Empower Billion Women, and it's been an interesting experience for her because a lot of women are not believing that they can empower themselves economically. They're still under the conditioning that they need a man to complete them or a man to help them with their finance versus they actually have a lot of skills and a lot of tools that can actually amplify their sense of physical worth and I want to bring Oprah to the table. And you look at somebody like her, if she was ever told that she can't make it, can you imagine what the world would be like today without an Oprah Winfrey? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so I know that in your work you advocate a 180-degree shift from the way most of us really are approaching happiness. And I would love for you to tell us a little bit more because, you know, I've traveled to over 95 countries, Christy. I've been there. And I can't begin to tell you that some of the poorest neighborhoods and poorest countries that I visited and been in the villages and meeting the kids and the families with very little, with very little, I see a spark in their eyes. And I come back home to America and I see a lot and I see a lot of waste and a lot of consumerism and a lot of... um boldness of how much they have. But that spark, that spark that shows in our eyes that the soul is happy with just being itself, spirit or a child of God, I almost sometimes have to hunt for that energy in our brothers and sisters in this land. Could you tell us about that, how you have come to approach happiness and what is happiness? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a great question. I mean, for me, happiness is an inside job. It's, I think many of us are trained as a kid that in order for me to be happy, I need to make everybody else happy. I need to make sure mommy and daddy are happy. I need to make sure that I don't do this or that because then, you know, they won't be happy. So we're really conditioned that happiness 